0: Chapter 5 of The Princess and the Ploughman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. The Princess and the Ploughman by Florence Morse Kingsley. Chapter 5. When Mary opened her eyes on the morning of her wedding day, it was like no other awakening she could remember. Her first thought was of Hugh Ghent, as he had stood with bared head among the young blades of springing corn. It must be at noon, he had said, when the shadows are underfoot. She lay quite still, gazing out of her open window over wide stretches of purple sea, rising and falling in long, even swells under the pink dawn. When the shadows are underfoot, she murmured to herself, and wondered dreamily what he had meant by the words. His strong-featured face, with its keen blue eyes, seemed still to be gazing at her, calmly, seriously, but with exceeding kindness. It occurred to her presently that she had not yet told Felice of her plans for the day. She had listened in silence to Felice arranging a morning expedition to a neighbouring village. I cannot go, she had objected briefly, but when pressed for a reason, She had found no words of explanation. She arose when the first long level ray of sunlight flashed across the ocean, and slipping into a white wrapper, stole noiselessly across the corridor to her friend's room. Felice lay upon her pillow soundly asleep. One brown dimpled hand tucked under her cheek, the other lying outside the white coverlet, half closed yet relaxed, like the innocent hand of a little child. Mary drew near like a benignant angel, and stood by the bedside gazing down at the sleeper. How beautiful Felice was, she thought, with her long lashes shadowing the smooth, flushed oval of her cheek, her parted lips wistful with dreams, her curling dark hair spread over the surrounding whiteness in charming disorder. Darling, murmured Mary, her clear eyes overflowing with exquisite maternal passion, not the less real in that she was ignorant of its true nature. The sleeper stirred a little, under the steady light of those adoring eyes. "'Felice!' whispered Mary, and sank to her knees by the bedside. The sleeper's curling lashes trembled, then flew wide. "'Felice, dear, this is my wedding day. I came to tell you. Aren't you glad, dear? Aren't you glad?' Miss Vivian rubbed the dreams from her dark eyes, yawned petulantly, sighed, then put out a small protesting hand. Why, Mary, what in the world are you doing awake at this hour? It can't be. No, it isn't more than four o'clock. Do go to bed. There's a good child, and let me sleep. It's. Why, it's inhuman to wake a person at this hour of day. I only wanted to tell you that this is my wedding day, began Mary apologetically. I couldn't sleep and so. You're what? Miss Vivian sat up with a dainty shriek of dismay. My wedding day, repeated Mary gently. I ought to have told you yesterday that I was to be married today, but somehow I couldn't. Aren't you glad, dear? I shall never have to leave you again. Miss Vivian was thoroughly awake now. She pulled Mary towards her. No, you aren't feverish, she decided but you're talking in your sleep. Go back to bed, honeydew, and finish your dreams like a civilised person. I'll go away if you like, Felice, but it's quite true. I am to marry Hugh Gent at noon today. He was very kind to me, though I can't think why. Kind? Hugh Gent, At noon today? Hush, dear, urged Mary soothingly. It's nothing to be excited over, but don't you see, Felice, it solves everything for us. It is what you have been entreating me to do all along, but I couldn't see how.' "'Mary,' said Miss Vivian severely, "'I confess my beclouded intellect is unable to follow you. Who is Hugh Gent? and when and where did you meet him? I don't know any such person, unless you mean—' "'Oh, Mary!' You can't mean that farmer person who persists in refusing to part with his ancestral acres at any price. Father has been at loggerheads with him for years. You can't mean him. It must be the same person, I think, said Mary meditatively, though I know nothing about his affairs. He said he was a farmer, and he said too that you would know him. Miss Vivian stared at her friend fixedly. Mary, she said after a prolonged scrutiny which the other bore meekly mary did you ask that man to marry you no felice he asked me how long have you known him i why i don't know him at all replied mary candidly it isn't necessary though it is all quite right quite regular and proper her eyes brightened as she recalled his words He said that I was to tell you so. It was very nice of him. Don't you think so, dear? Nice, repeated Miss Vivian blankly. Don't you see, dearest, that all will come right now, everything that has troubled us. We can build the college and, and... Aren't you glad? Oh, Felice! Miss Vivian was staring into space, her dark brows knit forbiddingly her small mouth drawn into a scarlet bud. When she spoke, it was with business-like coldness and brevity. I think, she said, that I begin to understand. You told this man about your affairs, and he offered to marry you out of hand. What does he expect in return? He expects nothing, nothing, cried Mary. He said so, he said that, that it was a service any man would be willing to perform for a woman. The girl's voice sank almost to a whisper as she added, I couldn't help but think of one of those knights of the round table. Epoch. Felice, for all he was wearing a blue shirt and overalls. I think it was overalls. They were tucked into high boots. I remember. He will not separate us, Felice, nor come between us ever. He promised. Miss Vivian was eyeing her friend thoughtfully from under her long lashes. "'Perhaps he is after your money,' she said deliberately. "'Did you tell him about the money?' "'Felice!' cried Mary. Her tone conveyed strong indignation, almost anger. Her eyes darkened curiously. "'Did you, honey?' persisted Miss Vivian sweetly. "'I told him everything. He understands about the money and the college and about you, Felice.' "'What did you tell him about me?' "'I told him. That you were the only person I had ever loved or ever could love, breathed Mary. He he understands. You needn't be afraid, Felice. Miss Vivian graciously permitted herself to be drawn into strong white arms, her scarlet mouth dimpled mischievously under Mary's rose leaf kisses. She was thinking of many things which would have been quite unintelligible to Mary, and which therefore. She did not see fit to put into words. "'Have you invited your guardian to the wedding?' Miss Vivian asked, after a pause filled with soft, enraptured murmurs, like those of a brooding dove. "'No, dear,' said Mary, tranquilly. "'I only knew it myself yesterday. Where is it to be, please?' "'In the cornfield.' "'Mary! Why not?' It isn't like an ordinary wedding, you know, and I shouldn't want it to be in the church, nor in the house, nor in some dusty office. A dusty office would be far more suitable for such a wedding, I should say,' commented Miss Vivian with some asperity. "'But a cornfield! Go and dress, Mary, and I will call Mother and tell her. It must be here, of course, in the drawing-room. I am sure that would lend an air of respectability to the affair.' Mary drew her tall figure to its fullest height. Please remember that this is my wedding, Felice, she said mildly, and I, we have quite decided that it shall be out of doors. It will not be necessary for you to tell anyone till it is over. I suppose the farmer person suggested the cornfield. No, Felice, he asked me where it should be and I, I thought, for the second time in her life a tide of rosy colour rolled gloriously over mary's fair face she was thinking confusedly of the lines from hesiod and of the flowering weeds in the cornfield which he had told her he disliked to disturb there are flowers there she added dreamily miss vivian observed this singular phenomenon in discreet silence very well, she acquiesced cheerfully, I will tell no one, and it shall be just as you and the, er, uh, happy bridegroom have arranged. Mary looked troubled. I want to ask you something, Felice, she said. He told me that this was his affair, and that I was not to think of it, nor of him ever again after today. But I can't help thinking about him, and that it might make him very unhappy some time. this marriage. "'I mean, don't you think it might, Felice, if he... he should wish to marry, really marry, someone else? "'It doesn't seem quite fair for me to have everything and go away. "'I shall have you, Felice, and all the money, and he will have nothing. "'He can easily get a divorce,' murmured Miss Vivian, smothering a yawn, "'and I dare say he will do so at his first opportunity.' I'm sure I should if I were in his place. Mary stared at her with wide, astonished eyes. Oh, no, she said in a low voice. You are mistaken, Felice. He would never do that. Never. Miss Vivian shrugged her slim shoulders. Go away, honey-do, she begged. Can't you see that I'm dying for another nap, and it's ages yet before breakfast time? Mary stooped over the little figure on the bed with a sudden passion of emotion. "'I'm doing it for you, Felice,' she whispered. "'Only for you!' Then she turned and went away as she was bidden, her voluminous white draperies sweeping the floor with the soft perfume rush of a summer breeze. End of Chapter 5